the optimal life. Doctor, how are you today? I'm doing well, Nate. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. So how does somebody go from cutting people open in the world of medicine, surgeries, to ultimately coaching? How does that happen? Uh, for me, they kind of happened in parallel. Um, it's I, I think we can often get tripped up by looking at people's resumes and thinking about our careers that way, right? Where it's one thing and then the next and then the next. But in reality, those transitions in between things are often messy. And when you're doing one thing, there's often other stuff going on in your life, right? And so for me, surgery was itself a career change um, from being an engineer before that. And as I was going through my medical and surgical training, one of the things I enjoyed was teaching, teaching students when I was a resident, teaching students and residents once I got out into my own practice. And that kind of evolved into teaching co-workers at the office, uh, coaching and mentoring people who weren't directly just coming up in the medical or surgical ranks, so to speak. And that evolved into me learning that I really enjoyed that. And so now cutting out time for my surgical practice to actually do that as a, as a formal thing rather than just an occasional thing on the side. What type of surgeries were, were you specializing in or do you specialize in? So I'm a general surgeon, which is pretty broad. Um, I do a number of different cancer surgeries, colon cancer, thyroid cancer, pretty common things. And frankly, I fix a lot of hernias, take out a lot of gallbladders and appendixes when people come in through the ER. So it's, it's very it's unique because so you said you have an engineering background and then you went the medical route and now you're in the self-help, self-improvement, personal development space. That's a really unique path because most engineers and most doctors for that matter um, don't really have those interpersonal skills of connecting. And no offense to them. They have a different type of brain. <laughs> You know, they're, yeah, they're I, very smart people when it comes to the book, but I find a lot of them are introverted. They don't have a, a huge sense of social awareness. It's very interesting that you found this path. Yeah. And again, you know, thinking about the resume, looking back, looking in reverse, you can kind of tell a story and say, well, this led to that, led to that. But really, I think for most of us in real time, it's more opportunities you didn't expect or things not turning out how you thought they would. I didn't go into engineering thinking, someday I'm gonna use my engineering skills to help with data analysis in surgery. I went into engineering thinking I wanted to be an engineer. And when I wasn't happy there, then I had to start figuring this stuff out. Like, how do I, how do I make decisions about big stuff like that? And that became, that helped me with my making my career change and finding a career that I find very satisfying personally. And I'm still doing surgery. It's not like I quit that to do coaching. I, I do both. And um, that, that experience of needing to make that change and trying to figure out how to make decisions like that well, then led to everything that's become what I'm doing now with which coaching and writing. I know the answer to this question, but I have to ask it anyways. So do you attribute your path to your decision-making or do you attribute your path to your destiny? 
<laughs> yeah, well, uh, if you've even glanced at the book, you know that it's the former, definitely uh, decision-making. Uh, I, th I think that we all live our lives understanding that that's true in some sense, and also hoping that there's something out there that's gonna make it even better than we could make it ourselves. But understanding that what I choose to do today affects how things turn out tomorrow. So that wouldn't have happened if you just sat back and went to engineering school, you wouldn't be sitting where you are now. Definitely just, not. That doesn't happen. It doesn't happen by chance. It doesn't happen by luck. This, What happened for you to get the step from A to B to C happened because of those intimate decisions that you were making along the way. Yeah. And choices and actions, right? That the To kind of turn a phrase that's been quoted before, I would say that a decision without an action is just a wish. You know, mm. if, if you make a decision, but you don't do anything with that decision, it doesn't mean much, right? And, and so... There's a if, lot of wishful people out there. Yeah. Yeah, I think all of us are. Um, you know, it's not that I don't have wishes too, but the more conscious I am of the difference between the things I'm wishing for and the things I'm actually working towards, the more of those things I can actually bring into my life and, and build the way I want to. Absolutely. So on your website, you say, as your personal coach, dot, 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 I see things you don't see. I tell you things other people won't tell you. I point to things you're afraid to look at. And together, we'll find a new path forward for you. So what does that mean? How, how do you see things, Dr. Fred, that other people don't see for starters? Well, we all have blind spots, right? We all have biases. We all operate from assumptions. And it's, you know, we've probably all had this experience with our friends. I can see when my friends are doing something that I don't think is going to turn out well for them, but sometimes I have a hard time seeing the same thing for myself. And when I talk to my coach, my coach can tell me, hey, Fred, have you, have you thought about it this way? Here, here's a question. You know, ask me a question that I probably wouldn't have asked myself because somewhere in my brain, I know the answer is going to be uncomfortable. Um, and so I just hide the whole thing. And so having an outside perspective allows someone to, to see the stuff that you're not going to see for yourself or that you kind of consciously or subconsciously choose not to look at. And well, how do, where do you think that that comes from, Fred? Because a lot of people don't have that capability even though that they they might be able to see things a little more clearly than you yourself, but so many people still don't have the ability to really fully understand what they're seeing in somebody else. Uh, where do you think that that stems from? I think practice helps, like with anything. You know, I, I'm a doctor. I see thousands of people a year and give them news they don't always want to hear, talk to them about tough decisions that are going to change their lives. Um, and so practicing with people in those conversations certainly gives me skills to see where people are coming from and meet them where they're at and then figure out a way to walk them from where they are to an understanding. And that's not always, I know what decision you need to make. It's more, I know what you need to understand to make the decision that's right for you. And so 
that definitely helps. And then also having coached and mentored many, many people over the years, just being able to look and see these are the things that are going to spark a big emotional response, but not make much difference. And these are the things where a little bit of change could make a huge difference in the long run in the actual day-to-day experience of your life or achieving your goals. And being able to differentiate between those things definitely can help guide the conversation towards let's focus on the things that are actually going to make your life better in the long run. So give us some examples then, if you would, please. Uh, Just maybe one example, something recently where you coached a client. What is something you told him or her that um, that other people might not have told them and, and you pointed to something that they were afraid of? What, what's an example? So one example would be a career decision of a guy I was working with and trying to, he was trying to figure out, there's definitely a much more prestigious option open for him. And then there was another option that he could kind of develop that would probably fit more with actually how he wants his life to be in the future with his family. And he was really leaning towards that, that prestigious option for, you know, reasons we could all understand. It was going to be bigger money. It was going to be a fancier title. And it was also in his mind going to be something that opened up a lot of future opportunity. And so what I was able to do was ask him, what are you going to do with that opportunity, right? You're going to take this prestigious job and that gives you a lot of flexibility, right? It's almost certainly true that it's going to open a lot of doors for you. And we're able to have that conversation and eventually work our way back around to what he hopes to do with that prestige and all those open doors is eventually work himself into a position where he can live in the place he wants to be close to his college friends and extended family and where his wife and kids will be where they want to raise their children. And that was a long path back for him to see, oh, I could just go there now and I won't have on my resume that I did this other prestigious thing, but I will have already achieved the long-term goal that I was hoping to get to with that prestigious thing. And I don't have to wait years and do a job that I don't actually like just for the title and the connections. Mm. Do you see a lot of that? A lot of people that are looking at career changes, especially now, probably more than ever with technology, indeed, headhunters, recruiters. Do you feel like there's a lot of people that come out there that come to you and say, hey, I'm not happy that with this. My buddy's making more money here. I should be doing what's what's your take on this whole thing where people are jumping around really unhappy with their career options at this point? Well, I think it's definitely a real thing. And I think uh, it makes sense to make a change if you're not happy where you are, but it doesn't make sense to assume that making a change is going to make you happier if you don't know why you're doing it and where you're headed. It's a little bit like you know, talking to your GPS and not giving it a destination and just saying, take me somewhere other than I am right now. Right. Right. That it doesn't work. Right. It, you could probably trick Google maps into giving you a direction, but you have no. And to your point, Fred, uh, 
you, you might not want to uh, you might not want to end up where that map ultimately takes you where that gps ultimately takes you you may be going begging holy shit man i need to get back to where <laughs> this grass isn't anything greener this is not a good place so right there's a lot of yeah, that happening i think that's exactly true and i think the the urge is to to know that i want out from where i am now and that i have an option to get out but not the not taking the time to decide where i'm going towards i'm running away from something but i'm not moving towards anything in particular and that's more likely to end up in another situation that you don't like yeah no doubt about it no doubt about it it's it's very interesting nowadays i see resumes all the time coming through to our company and the amount of time that people stay put in one place it used to be a decade was a common thing 10 20 years nowadays it's a year or two and they're moving on to the next and every resume is the same i mean they're all what used to be offensive to see a job hopper it's almost like that's just the norm now yeah and i think some of those people may very well be on a track right there i did this job and then the opportunity to move up was at another company rather than at the same company i'm at i'm going to be stuck or it's going to be slow but i think a lot of those people are are jumping again because they don't like where they're at but they're jumping without a plan for where they're going they're they're leaving they're leaving their place but they're they're not going in any meaningful direction so besides the career advancement and being unhappy or being stuck you also coach people in a plethora of broader areas of just decision making happiness fulfillment etc so dig into some of that for us what exactly are you doing to help these people and, and you know maybe some more examples of the of the work and type of client that you bring on yeah so i work with people in kind of all all walks uh from you know the the technician working on the assembly line up to a ceo and i think what we all have in common is there's pretty simple small set of things that matter for a long-term happiness for being healthy and happy with our lives and I find where I can have the biggest impact is helping people really get clear on what those things are and then hook up what they're doing now to those long-term goals, to being connected socially, to being healthy, to having curiosity and, and learning things over the course of their lifetime, doing new things. And those things all kind of feed into one another and lead to career success, relationship success, happiness, health. And generally that's that's what I like about what I do is is talking to somebody and having them say, you know, I'm feeling really burnt out at work. Can you help me with my burnout? And the answer being not jump jobs like we were talking about, but have other things in your life. You know, let's instead of just thinking that only thinking about your job and then switching jobs is going to make all your life better, let's just acknowledge that sometimes a job is just a job. You got to pay the rent and buy groceries. And if you're trying to triple down on making more money and that's not making you happy, then maybe quadrupling down on it's not going to work either. 
let's talk about what else you have going on in your life and figure out how to incorporate some of those things into your daily, weekly actions. And sometimes that involves a, a job change or a complete career change, but often it just involves a different perspective on how you spend your time and energy and where yeah, you I would imagine a lot of people that want to make these changes, they think it's like this entire life change is some huge thing. And it's probably much more micro than they realize, correct? Yeah, I think it has to be micro to be sustainable most of the time. You know, there there are big jumps. Like if you make it, if you turn from an engineer into a surgeon, like that's a that's a big step, <laughs> yeah, a major a pivot. Yeah. Um, but if you're ticking along as a surgeon and you're feeling burnt out, you don't necessarily have to, you know, abandon surgery. You can also develop some habits that include getting fit and exercising and spending time with friends. And, you know, maybe you back down in some of your hours and you make a little bit less money, but it turns out you can be happier with a little bit less money when you spend that time doing other things. Sure. Hey, I'm just curious, do you employ, do you have your own process though, Fred? Because I do. You do. You have such a wide range of clients and people coming to you. So what, what kind of process do you have internally? So I guess one question back to you would be, are you talking about decision-making process or coaching process? I think the coaching process, because someone comes to you with a, it could be someone that's going through a divorce, someone that wants a career change, someone that's unhappy with yada, 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 that doesn't like their body weight, they're, they're depressed, whatever they're coming to you with and you're helping them. There's so many different things, but I would imagine there has to be some kind of general process that you employ regardless of the situation. Yeah, I think the overarching thing is to figure out what the big goals are. Um, I ask the question why a lot. Um, you know, I'm unhappy with my body. Okay, that's pretty common. You know, what is it you think that change in your body is going to do for you? And and digging into that. Or, you know, I'm struggling with my relationship with my spouse. Okay, why? What's going on? And what is it you hope is going to be different? And a lot of those different pathways, if you really dig into them, they, there's a generally a common set of stuff underlying that, right? That we want to be secure. We want to have friends in a social life. We want to be secure in our financial situation. And we want to have the free time to do things we enjoy while having all those other things. And if you, if you dig in with people down to that common core, then you can kind of build back out from that to decide, okay, now we've set what the big goals are. Here, here's what's truly important to you, you know, in an explicit way. And then we can talk about, here's all the things in your life that are helping with that. And here are the things that are getting in the way. And then we can start to make those changes. So we all make bad decisions, of course, and that's clearly clearly part of your work and part of your book. Now, good brains make bad decisions. We make bad decisions probably every single day. I'm wondering what exactly does your focus, your, your practice focus on? Because we have to either, we learn from our bad decisions. Bad decisions provide clarity. It provides uh, uh, us to get better. It provides a learning opportunity for next time to do something differently. And if we don't make decisions, I know you're, you don't want to thwart people from making decisions. You want them to go forward, right? You want them to 
put themselves out there. It's not going to always be perfect. But how do you, when you're looking at your practice, is it more so like these larger life decisions and you're helping people focus on making minor changes at, to, to affect the overall greater picture? Um, or is it truly all the little macro decisions in everyday life that you're trying to help people with? Which one is it, if that makes sense? Uh, I'm going to say both and. Um, it's, I think that, like we were talking about before, it, it's hard to make progress towards the destination if you don't know where you're going. So I think it is important to try to figure out what your bigger long-term goals are. But those are overwhelming and nebulous. Like, oh, yeah, I want to be happy. I want to still be fit when I'm 65, whatever. Um, those things, it's hard to know what to do about that until you get explicit. And so you can take that and then break it down into um, some mid-level goals and then some day-to-day -day actions. And then you can talk about, okay, you know, I want to buy a house, right? And that's a that's a great goal, and it's overwhelming. And you know, unless you got a million dollars in the bank from your parents, like that's going to be a process. It's going to be hard, and there's a lot of steps along the way. And once you define all those steps, instead of getting up every morning and thinking, "God, how am I going to buy a house?" Ever you get up in the morning and think, "Okay, today I'm going to." figure out which app to use for budgeting. And that's an action that you can take today. And then tomorrow it's going to be, all right, I'm going to connect up my bank accounts to my budgeting app. You know, and you start making those steps towards your bigger goal. And I think you can do that with most things that matter is you can break them down into stuff you can do every day. When it gets hard, when you're busy, knowing what the big goal is will motivate you to do the day-to-day -day steps having the day-to-day -day steps will keep the big goal from overwhelming you and keep those you steps progress. also help eliminate turn turn that wish into a reality back to how we started correct exactly yeah. it's the that's the action that that takes it from i wish i could buy a house to i'm taking steps towards buying a house mm. You do talk about achieving purpose, finding joy, building sustainable success. These are common themes throughout your book. And you say that it's backed by science. How is it backed by science? So there's a lot, this stuff's not mysterious. We know a lot about this from psychology, from economics, from medical research into why people do or don't follow through on health decisions, uh, from education, there, there's a lot of research out there in the last 30 years, I'd say, that points to these techniques, these ideas stick with people and work, these don't, and we can pick and choose and build a process from those that we know work well. So the, the, is the science more so of just proven, it's a proven thing time and time again when you say science exactly you know for for a dummy like me when i hear science i think of chemistry i think of i think of e equal you know these physics uh equations etc um that's not the same science you're talking about i take it a little bit 
So I would say from neuroscience to psychology, there's kind of a spectrum, right, of whether we're looking at groups of people or individual people or specific chemicals in the brain. But we can take from these, and this is what I've tried to do over time, this is kind of how this came about, was reading studies in neuroscience, and there's a whole bunch of detail in there that, frankly, as a surgeon, I don't need to know, and some of it I don't understand either, but I can take out, okay, here's here's a piece that's really practical and applicable. Like, I'm happy somebody's studying this stuff so that we can learn more and more about it over time. But what can I use today to motivate myself or to help me raise my kids, help my kids make better decisions and motivate them towards some things and away from others? Here's a little nugget out of this little bit of neuroscience research. And then here's some psychology research where they take people in a lab or they look at how people behave when they're at work under some conditions versus other conditions. And yeah, there's a bunch of studies and it's thick, but out of that, you can take a couple more nuggets. Here, here's how habits work. Here are things about building a habit or replacing an old habit with a new one that really seem to work and here are things that don't. So you can filter all of that down. The people that are still doing that research need all the science, but you and I, mostly we just need those couple of nuggets. And, and that's what I'm trying to bring together into stuff we can use in our day-to-day lives. Got it. Got it. Um, so someone's listening to right now, they're driving and they're thinking to themselves, holy cow, man, this sounds like me. I'm a little bit lost. I haven't figured out my path. Am I going down the right path? Are my decisions the right decisions? Um, or am I going down the wrong path? You know, and they're they're thinking about this now. So anyone that's in that place, what are some things that they could look at without even coming to you or talking to any coach, just kind of in general, where they can start looking at certain things and saying, hey, you're on the right path if this, or you're on the wrong path if this, this, and this is happening. What are some of those things? Let's start with you're on the wrong path if. Is there any low-hanging fruit you can kind of give us on that? Yeah, so I would just say that the path you want to be on depends on the goal, right? And so if you're doing something that's sucking up a lot of your time and energy and you don't feel like it's moving towards anywhere you want to be, then something should change. And that doesn't mean you're an idiot. I'm sorry sorry to interrupt you. So for example, uh, this girl continues to stay in a relationship with this guy. And she always feels slighted. She doesn't feel like fully respected, but it's become easy and it's become routine and right. And she's thinking that, Oh, he's going to change. He's, he's going to, he's going to stop his drinking uh, at some point, or he's going to love me more once we have a baby to get right. Like she knows there's something drastically missing or there's a problem. And you're, you're kind of in that using this example, it's kind of like, Hey, look at this. Is this really going to get you to a happy life at some point with this man? Right. I mean, look at the right. So someone that's in that position, what let's use that example. What what should she be doing then? So I think the questions then to ask are, why are you staying? And is it worth the price? Right. And sometimes, particularly in relationships, that can be 
hard to judge, right? Because we get into all this self-worth and fear that, yeah, this is a high price, but if I don't take this one, maybe I'll never get another one, right? And so that gets into a whole other set of issues as as individuals and the society and what we do to each other. Um, but really, I think the the question is just, why are you staying? What's the what's the long game here and what are the chances i think that's something that we can kind of underestimate is we're we're bad bettors we we bet on the losing thing because we like the idea of the big jackpot playoff payout even if the chance of winning that payout is super super small and that's where people can get trapped in a relationship because they're like, well, if everything does turn around, you know, then it would be great. I wonder if that also to piggyback off of that, Fred, is if that is that more of a, like a destiny mindset too? kind of like, hey, yeah. I, I think if it's meant to be for me, it's going to be God. The universe is going to uh, right conspire in my favor and, and everything's going to line up eventually. It's my it's my destiny. It's the jackpot. I'm going to hit it, right? Right. And th this is what we were talking about a little bit earlier, where we all kind of want there to be a little bit of that, right? It would be nice if the universe was out there just looking out for us and 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 had a plan um, that universally is going to be great. But if you look around, like not everybody, not everybody's life turns out great. And if you're just waiting for the jackpot, that you know, might not be the best strategy in the long run, whether it's your relationship or anything else. So your first thing is for someone in that position, look at the why and then look at the, and then what are they doing? They're looking at some kind of balancing test on cost benefit kind of thing. Yeah. I, I think it, it gets a little bit hard to apply that to relationships, but really that's not a bad analogy of just, you know, what, what am I putting in here and what am I expecting to get out of it? And am I getting that now? And do I realistically expect to get it in the future? And being, I think one of the tough parts about that is being honest about the time you've put in so far, right? You've probably put a lot of energy and time into that relationship. And it feels like if you give up that all that time and energy is wasted. Right. But, but what I would argue, of, how do you get, how do you uh, uh, stop from going further into the ditch? You stop right. Dig, you stop digging. Yeah. If you're in a hole, stop digging. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that's hard. And that's, it's a common fallacy, the sunk cost idea where all that stuff, you can't get it back either way. That's and true, right? that, that time and energy is gone. And so you can either keep, pouring time and energy on, on, you know, doubling down on a losing bet. Or you can say, well, I am where I am regardless of how I got here. So what's the best next step so that I can have the best future available to me rather than just continuing, you know, tumbling down this hill because I already started down it. Mm, that's, that's powerful. So let's go to the other side. Somebody that that's still not sure, but maybe making the right decisions. Not every decision is going to be perfect, but is it going down the right path? What's something generally speaking that they could look at to say, yeah, I'm, I'm on the right trajectory here. Again, I, I think it's asking why and saying, okay, you know, I, 
my my goals include these big long-term things and when i work backwards from them the things i'm doing seem to be on path towards those goals so looking at the long term looking at the big picture looking at the long term am i are all these small day-to-day decisions getting piling up in favor of me reaching this goal this goal right. this goal is you know if i have three or four big kind of values or long-term goals that i i want to achieve then am i spending most of my time most days doing things that support those values and those goals and i want to the answer is yes i want to get into law school am i making the best decisions to set myself up for that well if right. i'm if i'm going to the bar five nights a week right and i'm yeah messing around and I'm partying and I'm doing things I shouldn't be doing. I'm probably not. I mean, I know that's an extreme easy example to point to, but there are people that want to go to law school, want to become a doctor like yourself, but they're not doing the things that they need to be doing, keeping their mental in in check, keeping their physical in check, working out, uh, not partying, reading, uh, doing apprenticeships, doing uh, internships, all those, like those are the types of actionable steps you're talking about. Right. I think that's exactly right. And I think, you know, a simple example to use the student idea is just, should I go to this class today or not? I'm Mm. tired. You know, like there's no fundamentally morally right or wrong answer to that question of should you skip this one class or not? But as soon as you have anything in the future that depends on your academic success, even a little bit, then now all of a sudden that decision about whether to go to class today or not has an effect on that long-term goal and either supports it or takes away from the likelihood of achieving that long-term goal. And, and those so effects are too, small, Doc, but it's all I'm, small stuff. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Uh, so often too, uh, decisions build on, on the decision, right? That's probably something you see all the time. Like, hey, I skipped class last week. I can do it again. It's only one more day. Right. And I can do yeah. it again, right? And the next thing you know, that habit becomes a routine and you're skipping all the time and then you ultimately don't get to the place that you wanted to get to. That's exactly right. And I think people can use the sports analogy here, right? You know, you, know, you play how you practice. Um, that is true in other areas of life. If you practice not going to class, then the next time that decision comes up, it's a little bit easier to go down that path of not going to class or, you know, if you're trying to eat a particular way or work on your exercise routine, each time you skip going to the gym, some little part of your brain is practicing like, oh yeah, it's okay for us to not do this. And so, you know, if you're skipping class, if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're being a jerk to your friend, you're just, you're practicing the things that you don't want to have built, you know, as the building blocks for, for your future. Absolutely. Well, we've kind of talked about it, but uh, you have come out with a book, Better Than Destiny, Practical Science for Creating the Life You Want. So talk, talk us through the book a little bit, the major themes and why you wrote it. Yeah, so we we have talked about it a bit. I think I wrote it because I think this stuff is useful. Uh, over the last 20, 25 years, as I made a career change and have been working with all these people, I've learned that all this stuff that I've been pulling out at all the different research 
is effective. It helps me in my life. It helps my family. It helps the people I work with, my patients, my clients. And so it occurred to me eventually is like, I love doing this coaching thing, but there's no way on a one-to-one basis that I can ever get this stuff out to as many people as I'd like to. So I put it in the book and the book is really simple, actionable steps that you can take for building purpose, building a passion, creating passion in what you're doing, defining your goals, making those actionable plans that we've been talking about and following through on those things. Is there an and, ideal profile of a, a potential reader that you're targeting or is can this pertain to every walk of life, anybody, any age, et cetera? Well, probably like most authors, I'd love to say that this book is for everyone. Um, and to some degree, I think that's true. Uh, you know, we're all making tough decisions at different times. The Which decisions those are change at different times of our life. When I wrote it, honestly, I was writing for the audience of my younger self, a, a young professional who was trying to figure out not only what do I do next, but how do I figure out how to do next in a way that gives me a better chance of success than what I've done thus far. Got it. Well, check them out. We will link that book in the show notes, Better Than Destiny. Uh, doctor, where else can people find you online? Uh, I am on Instagram and LinkedIn at Frederick Bonson. And really, people should just go to my website, frederickbonson.com. Uh, reach out. You can email me, contact me directly through the website. You know, you can take a look. There are some exercises from the book on the website that I think will be useful to people and get in touch. Uh, I love the conversations and I look forward to speaking with people. And that's if you're looking for coaching, not if you need to get cut up and, and surge and go through your go through your local medical practice for that. Yep. Yeah, Great. that's a that's a whole different business. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I appreciate your time, and uh, we look forward to staying in touch and, and seeing all the the great work that you're doing. So, thanks for coming on here today. Yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity, Nate. Uh, thanks for your time. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Optimal Life Podcast. If you haven't yet, please subscribe and follow the podcast wherever you're listening. And you could also leave a review. Apple Podcasts, of course, you could leave reviews and ratings. Spotify, you could leave reviews and ratings. And several and many other podcast apps. Wherever you may be listening, please tell a friend, tell a family member, let them know about the podcast, and we will see you next time.